How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the second episode of Pundits of Pioneer. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Pearson. Joining me on the other line is Slater Claudel. How's it going, everybody? Yeah, so it's been a really interesting and fun week for Pioneer. We've got a lot to talk, to, a lot to talk about. Uh, just before we get into that, I just want to mention that we've been kind of expanding where you can find uh, this podcast. So you can find us on iTunes, MTGcast.com, SoundCloud, and we should be up on Spotify within the next few days. So moving from that, there's a lot of stuff that's been happening with Pioneer. The, the format's been moving at a blazing fast pace, and uh, there's some news to get into uh, before anything. Uh, Slater, do you want to kind of kick off the news, what's been happening? Yeah, I'm super excited about some of the news that has come out in the last couple of days. So yesterday, um, NRG, uh, which is a series of modern, standard, and all kinds of formats. And now they're going to have their first Pioneer 5K this Saturday in Madison, Wisconsin. And they also stream on Twitch. Uh, so I'm super excited to see in the first live broadcast of high-level magic being played for Pioneer. Yeah, that seems really exciting. I'm definitely going to have to make sure to at least watch either the live stream or the VODs. I mean, I, I usually watch the VODs more than the actual live stream. But yeah, that, that, that seems like it's going to be awesome. Yeah, super excited to see what people come out with in paper. Um, and then the second news came out today. Uh, the Star City Invitational, which has happened November 15th through 17th, uh, a week after the Pro Tour, is going to be switching from their standard format, of uh, the split format of standard and modern, to being pioneer and modern. That is some really big news as... Now, I have to ask, are you qualified for this tournament? Uh, no, I'm not qualified for the Invitational. I think, um, yeah, I wouldn't have been qualified anyway because my top 16 earlier in the year wouldn't get me enough points. But don't play quite enough Opens right now. To yeah, I think last last season I was like a few points short of qualifying for Invitational just because of some random finishes, like just... You know, if you go to if you go to enough opens, it's kind of hard not to get into uh, an invitational. But yeah, I mean, I like you said, I, I really don't go to enough opens to kind of get there often. So and and we don't really live in an area where there's IQs. So yeah, we don't have any IQs up here in Maine. Like we used to have uh, Star City States. That ha- that's how I qualify for the one open uh, one invitational I actually went to um, in Somerset, New Jersey, uh, by winning states back in the day. Um, but yeah, the Invitational is going to be Pioneer, um, and this is only two weeks away. Uh, I'm a little, when it first came out, the news broke, I was a little skeptic because like it being an Invitational, people have like worked all season to qualify for it, um, and they qualify for it knowing that it was going to be standard and modern um, at the time. Um, so a lot of people have been testing standard since uh, rotation has started. Um, even though that the format is a bunch of Okos, like people have been like practicing that Oko mirror like nonstop to get ready for the invitational and buying cards. Like people spent probably two hundred dollars on Oko's, like knowing that they were going to play them at the invitational. And now, yeah, yep. uh, Oko's a very good card in Pioneer, and we'll discuss that today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at least they'll have those ready for Pioneer. But uh, people have booked flights a... and hotels and everything else for this invitational. And now, like, the format has been switched. So, like, it's a little hard on some people. I know a lot of people are very excited, though. So there's a lot of 
people that are very excited and like someone like me that's not qualified i'm super excited to see it uh live twitch live stream on twitch uh, it's gonna be very exciting for the viewer at home I'm, i just can only experience i can only imagine a bunch of nightmare scenarios for players that um aren't prepared for pioneer with two weeks out do you think there's an actual chance that we'll see more Oko decks in Pioneer because so many people have them for standard? Um, I think in paper, people will have a lot of converted... Like, if they haven't been playing and, and if they haven't been like lazy like me and keeping their cards for all these years <laughs> of playing standard and not selling them off, uh, they're going to probably be playing some adaptations of like more recent standard decks, I think. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the Invitational players are like have a lot of like source resources to like borrow cards from and whatnot so they can probably just play what they think or feel is the best deck like you got big teams like team lotus box and team uh nova that are like yeah yeah there's a lot of good teams out there that are like coming up with like some crazy ideas and i'm excited to see what they come up with and i'm sure they'll obviously have tuned decks that they feel are great but like it's such a hard format to uh metagame for and it's constantly evolving. Well, yeah. I mean, I, just as we see, like, <clears throat> just listening to our last podcast, some of the cards that we were talking about, I mean, <laughs> I'll be frank, are just straight unplayable. And some of the cards that we were like, ah, oh, you know, maybe this will seem good, like, are just amazing. So the information that, you know, that is being moved around right now and the amount of deck lists that I'm just seeing on Twitter, Facebook, and, you know, other places is just insane. I mean, people really gravitated towards Pioneer and people have been loving this format. And I, I don't know, did, did did you see how many people actually got in the challenge? How large that yeah, tournament was? Yeah, 237 people in the challenge. The first challenge of the format, 237 people played it. And that's wild. And, and by the way, like, for anyone that... Ha- uses any like card rental service like it's just been a nightmare this past week to get anything even related to pioneer like i've honestly just like if i knew that i was going to be in a tournament or even if i wanted to do a league with a deck i've had to legit rent the deck like a day beforehand just so i know i'll have the cards oh yeah definitely like i put out like you sh- if you're going to play the challenge on Sunday morning, you should be renting your deck Saturday night, and you should also be probably joining the uh, challenge on Saturday night. It didn't get close to the 652 player or something like that cap, but um, it, it, yeah. it was definitely it was definitely very large, and I definitely wouldn't have been trying uh, to rent a deck like with 30 minutes or 45 minutes to spare before the tournament. Yeah, and you know, the kind of going forward into magic online tournaments uh the btq is this friday it's noon on magic online yes noon on eastern time uh for friday so like um i'm probably gonna be i'm probably gonna be at work yeah i'm probably not playing it but i know i definitely have uh friends and discord and friends all over the place that are definitely looking forward to playing and trying to qualify for the uh, players tour via pioneer it'd be the first chance to qualify for the players tour via pioneer i'm gonna be real with you i think i straight punted so i so what i do for work right now is i'm a substitute teacher and so i schedule my own 
days that I work and I completely forgot about this. I, I legit think I, I scheduled myself today to work the, like this Friday without thinking about the, the PTQ. So, wow, that's so, that's so tilting. I don't think I'll be able to actually play in this PTQ. Yeah, and be, being a sub, you don't really have sick days. So you're there for the sick days. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's always next week, right? And that's the thing. I'm re- I'm really excited just to be playing this format. I I think I have played more Magic Online in the past week in week and a half than I have in the last like honestly six months. Like I I've probably played north of like I don't know like 25 leagues, just like get getting in like just so many games and just trying out decks. I mean I I went through a day long period where. I didn't have any classes. I didn't have any job assignments that day. So I just spent an entire day just, you know, booting up a league, trying out a deck, trying out some different cards. And then, you know, once that's done, all right, let's get to the next one. Let's just kind of rifle through these decks. Yeah, I've definitely put my man trailers to use. Like, I haven't used it this much. And like uh, when it first came out, I was like, yeah, it's going to be great. Um, My man trailers is going to be finally used and worth the rental service. Yeah, and uh, definitely put to good use this past week. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of going into that. So let's talk about the first week uh, that we've been playing. Let's talk about you know some of the cards that may have impressed us or maybe we're a little bit disappointed in. So do you want to start us off? Yeah. Uh, so starting off, uh, recently I've been playing a deck that uh, Adam Hernandez Yeoman on Twitter uh, made popular, uh, Sahili Pod. It's super fun. That's that's to put that's put it that way. It's very very fun to play. Um, it can win out of nowhere if you have an active Sahili or an active Vanifar, um, because Sahili can give the Vanifar haste, and then all you need is a, pretty much almost anywhere on the curb you can combo off. So for instance, if you have a the way a deck works, it's, a, it's like a pod deck, bring a uh, homage to birth and pod, which isn't in Pioneer, it's in Modern. Uh, no, it's not. It's banned in Modern. Yeah, I got banned in Modern for a good reason. It yeah, kind of invalidate. Yeah. It kind of invalidate all other creature decks, um, to an extent. So yeah, it reminds me of a deck called Battle Pod from the day, uh, where you essentially Birth and Pod brought in a creature that untapped Birth and Pod to activate Birth and Pod again. So yeah, in this case, you play um, Vanifar. Uh, you need to either untap with it or give it haste, which you can make a copy of Vanifar with Sahili if it's in play, uh, and then sacrifice the other one because legendary rule. And then if you have a like a land war elf in play, you can sacrifice the land war elf to go and get um, the one four from the corridor newest set monitor. corridor monitor to untap Vanifar, um, and then sacrifice uh, <laughs> corridor monitor to get bounding crisis, or you can get renegade rallier um, to get the corridor monitor back from the graveyard, or bound crisis itself will untap Vanifar. And then you sacrifice the three drop, either the Renegade Rallyer or the Bounding Crisis, to go get Felidar uh, Guardian, who, when it enters the battlefield, you can blink another permanent you control. So you blink Sahili, and then you can combo off by making uh, infinite copies of your cat and attacking them for lethal. Um, so it's been impressive in game ones. In game ones, I've been like super aggressively mulliganing to uh, the combo because there's not a lot of interaction in this format. Um, not not a lo- it feels like the most interactive deck in the format is blue red phoenix they have a lot of cheap removal and like if they have like a thing in the ice they can like flip in response and whatnot so like 
Yeah. Um, yeah. The Sahili Pod deck I view as being one of the one of the traits that the Sahili Pod deck that I like in my combo decks is that it's versatile. It has multiple game plans. Uh, we're going to talk about a, a different style of deck uh, later that hasn't been built like that yet, which is Marvel. But with the Zahili Pod deck, you have a really good and solid mid-range plan where you're playing just like value creatures. That's part of the reason why I've liked uh, the Renegade Rallyer more than the Bounding Crisis so far, because I think it just does a better job of kind of fighting through hate and also just playing a nice mid-range game. Uh, and then, you know, while you have that mid-range game available, you just have this combo kill pretty much out of nowhere. I mean, like you said, you can kill if you go, if all you need is just Alana War Elves and a Vanifor on the battlefield. If they can't kill the 2-4, then they're dead. Yeah, essentially. Because um, even if you don't have the Sahili, if you have enough man for the Sahili, you go up to Cat, uh, then you sacrifice the Cat to go get Thalia's Lancers to go get a Sahili, which uh, Lancers finds a legendary permanent from your deck. And then you can play the Sahili to um, continue to go off, which is it's just remarkable. But like as we said, you need, it's versatile. You need to have a good proactive um, plan post board. Like I know some Veil vale Summer is very good at counter and interaction. Um, extra copies of Teferi Time Raveler is great. Uh, three mana planeswalkers in general is great. So, <laughs> our good friend Oko is <laughs> is just great. Like, and we have like six copies of one drop mana dorks, and we have Oath and Nissa to like cast our planeswalkers with any color mana. So, like playing turn two, three mana planeswalker is one of the best mid range strategies that you could uh, enable. So, like, I think the deck isn't completely tuned all the way. There's definitely a lot of ways you can build it, um, and there's definitely a lot of ways you can. Um, we got we got to make sure that we fix the mana base too, and work on uh, the best strategy for mana bases. Yeah, generally, what happens with those is some mana base expert will come along and just kind of look at it and be like, ah, this is this is wrong, and then change slots. <laughs> so, yeah, my good friend Stargate Stargazer on uh, Twitter, uh, his name's Owen. Uh, he's in a Discord with me, and he worked out some of the mana base from the original list, and I've enjoyed some of the changes he's made, which is nice. Nice. Yeah. Out of, uh, there's Jeskai Cat, which um, our good friend, mutual friend, Adam Wallace, has been playing a lot of. Yep. Yep, Adam. Um, and I believe Adam... Topher... MZ, MZ Frosty on uh, Magic Online, also another mutual friend of ours. I believe he placed 11th in the... Uh, let me just double check that. Yeah, so MZ Frosty. Basically, if you ever play Legacy on Moto, uh, you kind of just got a sinking feeling in your heart because that's where, uh, you know, Topher plays all of his Magic, essentially. He's like, and, he's like second or first in um, challenge wins in Legacy for first, the year or yeah. something like that. Like, first, it's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, so, uh, Adam, a bomb diggity, is, has been playing the list uh, online a lot. Um, and yeah. he likes, and it, so it's a Jeskai control build, right? And it's playing one of the broken cards in the format Dig Through Time instead of, which gives it more more late game presence, more like you can find a combo, you can find answers, you can find anything you really want. And it's a Jeskai control shell. So, like, for Dig Through Time. Four dig through time is and, and torrential gear hulk, so that's what like six dig through time. 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And like Sahili can copy uh, Trenchal Gear Hall for some value town. Like, Ooh. yeah, I used to, I won a PBTQ in the day with Jeskai, um, Jeskai Control with ca- ca- uh, Combo Cat. And it had some value play to it as well with like uh, Mom and Pa, uh, PN Kieran Alar. Yeah. Yep, yep. Nice. So, it's going to be interesting going forward to see uh, whether the four color Sahili decks or the Jeska Sahili deck um, will be more more of the bigger player in the in the meta game. Yeah, I'm not really sure about that. Now, I I think I'm not sure how this kind of works in, but so far, so I, I'll kind of got I'll get into this a little bit more later. But there are some ways we don't have Torpor Warp in this format to kind of fight the ETB effects. Um, we do have the Hushbringer. So, yeah, that kind of goes into what I was about to say. All the cards that kind of shut down the combo, other than, you know, basic removal spells, are all either white or... Are, are all, they're all white cards. So there's Hushbringer, there's Takatli Honor Guard, which, I mean, it's just worst version of Hushbringer. Um, and there's also Authority of the Consoles. Um, and just kind of getting... Well, I'll, I'll get into it more of it later, but I haven't really been impressed with putting white cards in my deck so far in this format, unless you pair it with something like blue or red. Um, I, I, I guess I'll kind of go into the deck that I've been really impressed with so far, and that's Arc Light Phoenix slash, you know, Thing in the Ice decks. Um, so one of the things that when we were discussing in our first episode about Arc Light Phoenix is how is Phoenix really going to survive without, you know, Faithless Looting, Manamorphose, you know, so on and so forth. And I think there were a few cards I overlooked in kind of that stage where I didn't really think about how powerful they were. The first of which was Merchant of the Veil. That's a card that I has greatly gone up my power rankings as just a card that the Phoenix X want. I mean having access to one mana, you know, uh, rummage effect on top with a creature that, you know, it's not great, but you can certainly play the two, three body. And then late game, you can just start activating it basically eliminates all chances of flood and gets, you know, your, your Phoenixes in the yard and helps you cast your, um, your treasure cruise, which, I mean, this sex running four treasure cruise. If you know, one of the things early on in this format was you better be playing busted cards. And let me tell you, Treasure Cruise in this deck, this has really been like the Treasure Cruise deck that fills up the car- fills up the graveyard very quickly and is able to kind of take advantage. And it's basically a one or two mana draw three almost every time, it seems. Merchant of the Bill also turns on Fiery Temper. Yep, and that's another thing with this deck is that there is a discard package, which I think is super important to make sure that these decks stay ahead. So there is Fiery Temper, and there's also Lightning Axe. And I think Lightning Axe is crucially important for these decks because it kills Vanifar, kills Cat, um, it kills a lot of the green devotion creatures. So, and you know, there's not really, there's no Lightning Bolt in this format. You know, the red decks, they're having to play Wizard's Lightning in order to get a cheap one mana red, you know, kill spell. And this deck having access to Lightning Axe is crucially important for them to actually not only beat the mirror, but also just beat other random creature decks. Yeah, like, as I was saying, like, the one deck I was having the most problem with was Phoenix with the four-color cat deck. Look at all this cheap removal it has, like, Lightning Axe, uh, Is It Charm, Fiery Temper, Wild Slash. Like, I think that's even more than some of the red decks I've seen. 
Yeah, certainly. And the thing about this deck that's really, you know, puts it at the forefront, at least right now in the format, is it is just the perfect amount of raw aggression with Thing in the Eyes, Arclight Phoenix and such, uh, and these burn spells backed with the disruption. So, like you said, the burn spells, the counter spells. So it has, you know, just enough of uh, aggression with the kind of backup that really puts in the forefront and i'm gonna be honest i love the sideboard that yeah look at that sideboard is that a modern sideboard yeah honestly yeah like it has the royal scions for kind of a more grindy uh approach as is the two chandra you have multiple good removal spells and just like busted cards in the sideboard when you get the color you have mystical dispute a braid um fry and smell pierce as you know just kind of these uh, removal spells slash counter spells that really put you over the edge in some of these matchups. Yeah, I think Phoenix is going to be a deck that's going to stay around. I think even if Treasure Cruise gets banned, like, I mean, obviously we had Phoenix in Standard without Treasure Cruise. So, like, I think Phoenix itself, as long as Phoenix doesn't leave, the deck's going to be a contender in this format going forward. And it's a pretty safe bet, I think, going into the Invitational to do well. Yeah, and I think. The only thing I worry about these decks, and the reason why I pointed out the sideboard specifically, is it is much easier in this format to target graveyard decks than something like artifacts, for example, because you still have rest in peace, but whereas you don't have, you know, Kataki or Shatterstorm and such. Um, however, you know, if you're going to the sideboard and you know your white opponents bring in these rest in pieces you have access to royal scions brazen borrower chandra uh just a plethora of options that really make it so you can just like go over the you can just kind of you don't really care about that and plus you have four thing in the ice definitely thing in the ice is going to be a big factor in those graveyard matchups uh, the matchups that they have graveyard hate yeah what's up what's next so we talked about the two decks that I think are the most important decks in the format. And the third most important deck in the format, I think right now, is Green Devotion decks. They're powered by Nykthos and Leyline of Abundance. Oh my god. I've seen, like, Saffron Olive post that his opponent made 11 mana on turn two. <laughs> like, what is this, Tron? That, that's, that's quicker than Tron mana. Right, right. Like, yeah. It's crazy. If you have a Land War Elf plus, like, two Abundance abundant um, Leylines... Your Landwar Elf taps for three mana on turn two, right? So you have five devotion in play. And if you have a Nykthos uh, for your land drop turn two, you can like play an Elf before. So tap for three, play an Elf. You now have six mana in play. Like, I'm not exactly sure his board state when his opponent made a ton of mana, but like you can make at least. Um, eight, it's trivial uh, at that six, point, though. Like, it, it, it's trivial. Like, my, I've had opponents cast Ulamog. I've had opponents cast um, huge Krasis's. Um, Krasis I. Um, I've had Krasis's like, cast against me for 18. Yeah, it's crazy. The deck um super powerful. And that's why I've been liking playing like a deck like Sahelipod, which like kind of ignores what's going on a little bit. Um, and like, I, I just think that like trying to power through a deck that has such raw power and green devotion. Like the power of Nykthos is so strong in this format that we have all these cards um, over 20 plus sets to work with. 
Like, yeah, I mean, if you're going big, big mana in this format so far, you pretty much have to be going with Nykthos, and that's why Nykthos, in my mind, is uh, on the short on the on the short chopping block of cards that maybe need to go, but that's really not that's really not uh, that kind of important right now, just because like it, we'll see how the we'll see how the format develops. But I've been really, really impressed with the devotion decks. I think almost all of the devotion decks that I've seen aside from mono white devotion have been really powerful. I mean, the mono red devotion deck is something that, you know, you're going to talk about a little bit that, you know, we, we've both been playing quite a bit. Mono green, obviously being great mono blue posting some results. And yeah, I just, I just saw, um, one of the Jessup rubs, I think it was Andrew Jessup. I posted that he's like 16 and two with mono blue devotion right now. Um, I've seen like, um, some Japan players posting about some like a blue green variant of, um, that I talked about last week, and like I think mono blue devotion is great, um, and like I think yeah, as you said, mono white devotion. I don't know exactly what the right shelf of the deck is. Like you, you don't really like if you're playing mono white, you're probably just being like white weenie deck. Like there's no like big mono white card. Right. Like I guess you could play in like a pillow fort type deck. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, see how that lines yeah. up well. I mean, it lines up pretty well against Catcom, but if you're playing like main deck uh, cards that can make them pay extra to attack and whatnot. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're playing some like really weird token deck with Secure the Waste or you're doing, you know, some some weird thing. I it, That's unclear to me, and we'll, we'll get into it in a little bit when I talk about white cards in this format. Um it, I'm unclear of yeah how that shell looks and what everything, but I will the say one, the devotion the devotion decks that have been popping up I've been super impressed with. Yeah, the one deck the one thing about the white cards is as you said earlier the sideboard cards are great. Um, that's what it has going for it. I'm not sure what else it has going for it, um, but we'll see. Like maybe someone else will break it and hopefully. So I'll kind of go into my next segment, which uh, cards that I've actually been impressed with is the prowess creatures. So things like uh, Monastery Swiss Spear, the mm, what's the card? The one that Neg One Neg One counters instead of damage. Yeah, Soul Scar Mage. Soul Scar Mage. Yep. Uh, you got Abbot of Carol Keep. <laughs> Actually, uh, you know Abbot 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 has been decent, but. I really like Storm Chaser Mage. I really actually like the Wizard Shell. Um, Wizards may have some things kind of preventing it uh, from being that good, just because I think it occupies a little bit of the same space as Arclight Phoenix. I think Arclight Phoenix does what the Wizards deck wants to do a little better. Um, but as certainly for the Red Aggressive decks, I've been really impressed with the prowess creature so far. Um, no, I think... Where do you like to pair your red with, or do you like to play mono red prowess, or do you, do you prefer uh, green red or a blue red? You, did, you well, mentioned Storm Chaser Mage, so I'm not sure. Well, I mean, it depends on what you're trying to beat. I think if you're trying to kind of go as fast as you can and ignore what everyone else is doing, then I think pairing red with green for things like a Tarkus Command is kind of where you want to be. I think, I that think gives that's you... true as well. Like you I get. Think... A... What was it Hero of a Crowin or I saw a, I saw some list that was like super aggressive, like low to the ground, like pretty much boss sly, uh, but it's cool colors. And like you get copies of Dread Horde Arcanist with Tarkus Command is a combo wombo. Yep. And like 
Yeah, so I think you are definitely correct that green red is definitely like if you if you're going for speed, green red is probably where you want to be. Yeah, and and I think that's where if like if the format goes to a point where you really shouldn't be caring about what your opponent's doing, I'd be looking more green red. I've had some success with blue red, but that's not because I think it's a better deck necessarily. I think what people have been doing early on has been, you know, just trying to jam their four and five mana, you know, instants and sorceries or not not creature spells and just trying to get there with their kind of weak combo decks. And I think if you're trying to provi- put forth a aggressive game plan that also has some element of disruption to it, I think blue red specifically, I think the wizards package is very powerful wizard package gives you some great creatures it also gives you great interruption great interruption if you do want to play the counter spells you can play the counter spells if you want to play the burn spells you have access to wizard's lightning and wizard's lightning i mean it it usually is on and when it's on it's just busted good i mean so i i've been really impressed with the powers prowess creatures and specifically what red's been doing in this format specifically as just kind of a main color and then depending on what the meta looks like you can shake it up with whatever colors you want to put in there yeah speaking of like the red deck like (laughs) i've been playing mostly red devotion and i am super happy every time i get paired against red and it's because of one card in my deck and it's called boris reckoner bam boris reckoner baby we're back boris reckoner is back and it is a red card who hates on red cards yeah it is probably the <laughs> from my early testing it is the best card against red like people are playing like um random like first strike effects in their like aggro decks and so like you block like their first striker in combat like say it's a 2-2 like they're like swinging like alpha and whatever i'll um, sell it baby yeah you just like block like the ash sell it for instance and it deals first strike damage to your Boris Reckoner, and before regular strike damage, you get to shoot two damage at, like, a Burning Tree Emissary, for instance. Um, like, it literally is the definition of two-for-one. If they use a removal spell on it, they normally have to use two, because, like, most of the removal spells in the format that the red decks have are, like, Wild Slash, I deal two damage, or Shock. So if they use two on it, it's, like, a three-for-one. Like, you get to, like... Or even a four-for-one. Like, if they have two creatures out there, two power, uh, two toughness... You can shoot down two things because um, the spells deal four damage to the Boris Reckoner. Yep. Uh, like, it has been super excited, uh, uh, super good against Mono Red uh, and Red decks in general. It also, like, <laughs> you put down a Boris Reckoner against, like, Green Devotion, and, like, they're big creatures that they have, can't really attack you. Um, and so they normally, but if you give them enough time, the problem with the matchup. Which I've like moved into like cards like Mizium Mortars to like slow down like their mana dorks and also just like go big and like while um, pretty much wildfires their team. Um, and I've also been splashing white in my Red Devotion deck for Change the Rocks. Like we, we spoke earlier about like the removal in this format's not like modern, uh, but like Change the Rocks is a path to exile effect for one mana, um, and not a lot of people have land destruction in this format. Uh, and especially not for basic lands if you put it on a mountain. So, like, Chamber of the Rocks answers a lot of, like, early, bigger threat things. Like, and it's very good. 
Yeah, land destruction in this format is non-existent, especially if it's on a basic. You don't have access to ghost quarters. You don't have access to, to, to tectonic edge. Um, so really, the only thing I've even seen people put abruptic. Before, I mean, uh, assassin's trophy. Sure, sure, sure. Actually, yeah. So that 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 would be the one exception. There is assassin's trophy, um, but other than that, I mean, you you really don't see much, uh, kind of land destruction and yeah i I agree with you chain to the rocks in my mind is kind of one of the glue pieces being able to kind of have a safety valve on whatever your opponent's doing one thing i've noticed in my red decks is i sometimes have issues where if the game goes a little bit longer than i'm expecting it and either my green devotion you know opponent or my you know sultai opponent if they play down like an x4 or an x5 it's really hard for me to actually kind of fight through that because you know all my burn spells do two or sometimes three so having access to change of the rocks has been really crucial in, in order to kind of punch through uh, those last points of damage it's also important to note that it's one mana kind of removal spell against you know some of the the dorks of the format which you know as as we'll talk about i mean there is a lot of there is a lot of good dorks. There are both Lana War elves, Elvish Mystic, Gilded Goose. Like you do want these one mana interaction. Yeah, that is one problem. Like in my Mon Red Devotion deck, is I don't have one mana interaction um, all the time. Uh, maybe in my sideboard, I can, I bring in some, some. Sometimes I play one mana interactions like Wild Slash or a Shock type effect, Nightmare Spray. Um, but I really just like don't need it all the time because like I have catch up cards like, Bor- uh, chain Goblin Chain Whirler, uh, which is great against the green deck, uh, Mandorks, and if if I have, good old Thorbrand, uh, Torbrand, then I can deal three damage to everything and three damage to them as well, which can be a board wipe. I I, did, I had it against uh, Blue Red Phoenix and it was just so gross, like I killed off Baral and two Phoenixes, just like. The combination of Tor, just Torbrand in general in the deck is just insane. Like it just like unlock, going like turn two, turn three, like burn tree, burn tree, activate Nykthos, <laughs> Nykthos comes back again, um, and then play a turn three Torbrand with two red creatures already in play. It's just so gross. I'm gonna be real with you. I uh, I'm in a league right now actually with the Red Devotion deck, and I am three and one right now. And the reason I am not four no is because in my second round, maybe it was the third, second or third round, I had I was playing against uh, Hardened Scales, and I had I kind of took a turn off so I could put some devotion on the board, some mana symbols, so I can go uh, Torbrand into Chain Whirler, and so my opponent did some nonsense, passed the turn back to me, and I'm just like, oh my god, yes, like free win, basically, because I would have killed off his uh, Nissa, and I would have put his Oko to one, and I would have almost killed him. And I click on my Chain Whirler, and while it's on the stack, I realize I did Chain Whirler before I did Torbrin. Oh my. And I literally just sat there for like 20 <laughs> seconds. I sat there for like 20 seconds. My opponent was like asking me in the chat if I if I like DC'd. And I'm just like, and I, it was so bad. Like I, I put the chain wheeler down. It killed uh, like one creature or something. And then I put, I put Torbrin down and it was so shameful. It was like, it was, it was a shame Torbrin. 
I still put it down because it was the right play to make. Like, I don't want to make two, you know, punts in a row just because I'm tilted off the first one. But I had to put it down because, like, oh, all right, it's going to make blocking for my opponent pretty much impossible. But it, it meant that I I ended up losing that game because of that, and then which ended up losing me the round because that was game two in my favor. So, I, you know, I, I find ways to punt out of... I, I clench defeat from the jaws of victory, as per usual. Yeah, so kind of... Going on to uh, what card, you know, some cards I've been disappointed in, and that's white cards. And, you know, for people who know me in real life, I'm not a huge fan of actually playing white in pretty much any format of Magic the Gathering and anything, just because I I don't want to say that, like, R&D doesn't know how to design white cards because R&D is, you know, compared to me, brilliant in designing Magic. Uh, but I, I will say there has been an extended period of time where white has just been pretty bad. I mean, if we just look at limited, I think white is on like a five set streak or some sort of just being the absolute worst color. And I think that carries over in pioneer. If you look at what's available to you in each of the colors, I mean, blue has all these counter spells that has these threats and thing in the ice. It has these busted delve cards Black has the one-man interaction in Thoughtseize, Fatal Push. Red has all these burn spells that, you know, in different shells do a lot of work. And green has these really just, you know, great creatures, these great mid-range threats. Uh, and then you go over to white, and what is white bringing to the table? And white when I look at that... cyborg cards we discussed. It has cyborg cards. Three-mana O-rings. Yeah, I mean, it has great... Uh, great multicolor cards specifically with blue white because you know you get access to detention sphere sphinx's rev to fairy time raveler it has honestly some of the best multicolor cards in the format but i just never see a reason to be base white i mean even if you look at the removal like you know what removal do you have in this format you have a declaration in the zone oh that's actually a really good cyber card i have my four color pod uh seal here dot um i actually like that card quite a bit no, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad card. Like it, it's a fine card, but if that's really the only thing you have to kind of prop up your color, it's not doing too well. Yeah, it's definitely hard to be in a like. So you really have to be playing like white weenie and just like trying like go under instead of battle through, I guess. Yeah, I I'll be more interested to see how these white decks kind of go in the in the future but as far as the current builds and what i'm seeing through all these white decks i i'm not a huge fan i i played a different variations of whitelist i tried a few different types of um kind of what are they the enchantress decks i've tried a few enchantress decks i've tried a few kind of aggro decks with white um and just kind of what i've seen so far haven't really been impressed usually it's the other color that i've been pairing white with that's been carrying most time blue in my case, like Teferi Time Raveler. Yeah. Which is well, on the short list of cards I would not mind leaving the format. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm just not a fan of that card. I don't know. I, I like Magic. I don't like Hearthstone. <laughs> like we already said, the interaction in this format's low as to begin with. And to make it non-existent with Fairy Time Raveler, eh, not exactly what I want in the format going forward. Um, I don't even want it in standard going forward, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I, I think I, th- I think it's not. I think it's going to be in standard, 
only for what, like another six months? Uh, till October. Oh, so another year? Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh yeah. my god, that card needs to get out of here along with Oko. And they already told us like the core set coming up is gonna be a tough and July is gonna be a Teferi based core set. So we'll see what happens. Oh my god, are you kidding <laughs> me? <laughs> Tribal Teferis. I don't um, think I don't think this is just a quick aside. I don't think we've ever seen a bad Teferi card because even like the old Teferi, the Planeswalker version from the Commander deck, oh. that was that's an insane EDH commander. And then you have Hero Dominaria, which is just such an oppressive card in standard. And then you have the Time Raveler, which is just like, come on. I mean, you had the original Teferi that was a creature that was mono blue that shut off counter magic. I forgot about that. That card is pretty good in, like, Blue Moon, right? Um, yeah, we've seen it a pop-up before. <laughs> yeah, so another deck that has disappointed, I think, both of us, like, I, this is Aetherworks Marvel. I think we talked about it a little bit last week. The deck just needs to have so many cards to make the actual Marvel work that you don't have a lot of room to, like, make it into, like, a mid-range deck and have other, like, versatility, like the Psyllipod deck that we talked about before. Like, the energy creatures themselves, like Rogue Refiner, um, like, I guess you could play, like, Bristlin Hydra and, like, be, like, Team Mirror Energy, like, post-board. Yeah, that's with, not like, what I'm looking to do, though. With, like, Whirler Virtuoso, but that seems way too fair for, like, a lot of these decks that, that you're going to be facing off against. I yeah. do like that it has Harness Lightning, which is a good removal spell in this format. Great removal spell. And, like, yeah, you can activate and, like, hit your Emrakul, your Ulamog, I saw someone activate it and like put in the uh, omniscience and like then cast Emrakul and Ulamog and like all kinds of stuff. But like it just seems like the deck needs so many things to happen correctly. Um, and, and it has a hard time outside of Harness Lightning of answering the early activation, uh, early threat. And if you ever turn to Oko, it just um, it can make. The deck just like if they can't activate the Marvel, they can't put it down ahead of time because it becomes an elk. Um, and the, the other planeswalker we talked about, the very time raveler, literally shuts off t- Marvel, like they can't yeah. cast the spell at instant speed, yeah. So they literally activate it and it, it doesn't do anything. So, yeah, I, I think there are a number of things keeping Marvel back in this format so far. I think the format as it stands is a little bit too aggressive for Marvel. I would be interested to see Marvel take on a different game plan because the kind of Marvel decks I've seen so far, some of them are just straight up like kind of old school standard. They're puzzle knots, they're draw spells, they're just kind of all in combo. And I don't think that's going to work going forward because I think, you know, with people having a braid in their deck, having good uh kind of aggression plus the fact that Thoughtseize is in this format i don't really think it's sustainable uh, you know in, in addition to, to fairy time leveler i don't think it's sustainable for these Aetherwork marvel decks to just kind of you know be all in combo i think you have to take the role that the vanifar deck have been doing where they're just a good mid-range deck that has an i win button and so you know, I I certainly have not been impressed with Aetherworks Marvel at this point. I feel like I never really lose against it. Like, even when they get to do their thing, like, like even when they get to put out Nemercool, which is kind of like the best thing that they can be doing, I generally feel like I'm 
almost always so far ahead on board that it doesn't matter that the extra turn I get back is just like, all right, I'm just going to kill you now. Yeah, like, I think the standard format that it was in was just a super slow format. Like, it had Black Green Delirium and, like, Miracles. And, like, it didn't interact very well with Marvel itself. And I think this format is just a turn too fast. And there's way too many interaction pieces for Marvel itself to contend with. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I personally, I mean, you know, there are some people who kind of lead the charges on certain decks. I've seen, you know, Jerry T, other people online that have really been trying to push Marvel to, you know, kind of their it, its best form. And I, you know, I, I haven't seen anything yet that I'm super interested in. Uh, I would be interested to see how this deck moves forward because, I mean, I think you and I would both agree the ceiling on Aetherworks Marvel is incredibly high. I mean, this is a card that, like, could very easy, easily end up on the ban list. Yeah, definitely could end up on the ban list. And, I mean, all the cards that were banned in standard at one point should be on the short list to keep an eye out for. So we'll see how it goes forward. Yeah, so kind of... Going into one of the last sex that we have is Sultai Oko. And for anyone that was paying attention to the Pioneer Challenge, Sultai Oko, or Sultai Control, was actually the deck that took the tournament down. So this is a deck that is has a lot of really, you know, just awesome pieces of interaction with Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, um, Abrupt Decay, and Assassin Trophy. And you have a, gr- a lot of great mid-range threats with cards like Corsair Crucifix. Tireless Tracker. Uh, in addition to that, you have just a plethora of Planeswalkers. I mean, this is this is really kind of like Sultai Planeswalker control. So, yeah, I mean, you have Jason's Prodigy, Liliana and the Last Hope, Oko, Thieva Crowns, alongside with the Gilded Goose, and you have Frasca Golgari Queen, which Frasca Golgari Queen has been a card that I personally have really been impressed with uh, so far as, you know, what it's doing in the format, what it's attacking, how it plays specifically in this deck. I think this deck is much better than I initially thought this type of strategy would be. Yeah, at first glance, it looks like Salty Good Cards. I and mean, that's what at second glance is as well. Salty Binder. And don't let it escape you, but there's copies of Dig Through Time in this deck as well. Yep. A, a card just keeps on being the gift that keeps on giving. So I think going forward, that Salty is going to be a deck that just all the gen players in modern are going to gravitate to like oh, sure. it literally is just what we call valued creatures cards that do more than one thing and cards that just like eh, just play a nice fair game of magic against a plethora of different answers it just has answers on answers on answers now one of the funny thing now I, I should ask do you know very many like magic online names this the username on this is ORS. Is that Jonathan Orr? No, it's... I don't think... No, no, no. It's not Jonathan Orr. ORS is a... Uh, no, 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 Yeah, yeah, So, like, yeah. But and anyway, so one thing about this decklist that I find very intriguing is the inclusion of Scavenging Ooze and the Cyborg. And the reason I bring that up is because, you know, when I've played against this deck, I, I haven't gotten a chance to play with this deck very much uh, just because I kind of... I took a step back from that and I said, listen, I, I want to wait a minute till these decks kind of get streamlined and until kind of like a, a good version of this type of deck pops up because, you know, that's what you kind of need with these type of mid-rangey decks. Uh, 
I find it interesting that scavenging news is in the sideboard and not the main deck because when I was playing against uh, these these Sultai decks, I was always impressed with scavenging news. I mean, whether that's against Phoenix, whether that's against these you know delve decks, there, there's a lot of uses that you can have with the scavenging news. Um, so I'd be interested to see why uh, ORS decided to put that in the sideboard as opposed to the main deck. I personally view Scavenging News as a main deckable card. I'd be interested to see if the, you know, kind of reach, try start to see if I can reach out to this player and talk to him a little bit of, you know, what was the kind of thought process behind Scavenging News in the sideboard as opposed to the main deck, just because I view Scavenging News as being really one of the, you know, cards that have been shockingly good. Uh, I mean, obviously Scavenging News is good, but what the format's been about so far, I've really liked Scavenging News. Um, just to kind I of go think, over, I, I think scavengers lines up quite badly against the devotion decks and period in general. I think it only really lines up decent against Phoenix, which they played in the finals. And um, looking at Twitter, um, ORS actually recently came back to Magic uh, because of Pioneer, and he's, they found that Pioneer is amazing. Um, they post on oh, Twitter, so you can find. ORS and maybe message him on Twitter at uh, ORS MTGO. Um, yeah, I'll, make, I'll definitely make sure to do that. I mean, we'll we'll retweet the deck um, on our account so you can uh, check it out there as well if you haven't seen it already. Yep, and that's at uh, Pundits Cast P U N D I T S C A S T Pundits Cast on Twitter. Um, but yeah, just going through this. Just going through this uh, Pioneer challenge, so obviously Soltai Control took down the event. Uh, one thing that I I actually think this main deck is, it seems really well built. I'm not 100% sold on the sideboard, but I, I actually really like the look of the main deck. What do you think? Yeah, I think the main deck has all the staples, right, from Soltai cards. Um, if you go down a little bit further on the list, there's also another Soltai list which has almost identical cards in it. Um, so I think they it's going to merge together to having like a pretty much defined Saltai list that you need, like staples that you have to have be playing. The, the one a little bit down further in the list, the third place list, Aspiring Spike, uh, yep. is playing a lot less Planeswalkers, which is, but it's playing those scavenge, oh, it's playing actual scavenger news yeah, in the main deck. So like, like you said, they felt your decks would be a little bit more stronger, and it's just a good card against creature decks in general, I guess. Um, and pairs nicely with your removal suites. Yeah, definitely. And I, one thing that I like about this third place deck by Aspiring Spike for Solda Control is, I, I, I guess I, I should point it as Aspiring Spike knew the type of metagame he was going to be facing uh, as far as, you know, what they thought they were going to play against. And it seems like this main deck is much more focused on trying to beat up the aggro decks than ORS's deck was. So look at that to... sideboard. That sideboard is very anti, it looks like very anti, uh, anti uh, combo oriented. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like I, I view the main deck as anti aggro and the sideboard is anti, you know, combo control. And you can kind of see that with uh, more removal spells, the Kalidas and the Scavenging Ooze in the main deck with an additional copy of Corsair Crufix. Uh, and minus, or actually, is it, did he go up one? He, okay, yeah, so 
Uh, Ores, he has one less copy of Dig Through Time in the main board as opposed to Aspiring Spike, which Aspiring Spike has three copies of Dig Through Time in the main board. And that's kind of, you know, with the inclusion of Opt in the main board, you can kind of, you know, get a little bit more utility out of those Dig Through Times. I believe, yeah, like definitely more versatility. Um, and I believe Aspiring Spike was actually streaming this event. Um, Last on Sunday, so maybe they have vods up on their Twitch channel. I know awesome. that they are. They, I know. I know that they do stream. So maybe uh, if you're interested in Saltai, you can check out their action. From yeah, that. definitely. They, they at least top aided. Uh, maybe they'll be playing the PTQ and streaming it on Friday. Now, kind of going down the line. I mean, I this is one of the decks that actually <laughs> kind of caught my eye, which Merfolk. is Merfolk. Yep. It's it's actually Merfolk. Like. Besides Brazen Borrow, which is a honorary Merfolk in this deck, because um, it does so much, like bouncing different things. Like everything else in this deck is a Merfolk, or like I guess not. It's more mono. It's straight up mono blue's devotion. Yeah, and I mean, you know what? I totally dig it. Like I think that this is a completely reasonable thing to be doing in this format. As much as I hate to say it, I actually think Quench is a playable card. Like. I, I've been got by Quench so many times just because. Do you because... think Quench is the best counterspell here in this in this deck? Uh, uh, do you, like in this spot, do you think Quench is the best card to play? I don't know. I'd have to think about it more. It maybe not. Like maybe it's worth trying to throw in like a few wizards in your deck to because I mean what what are what are the wizard count now? Because maybe you can get access to. I mean, wizard you have count is four eight. Oh, actually, there's a lot of wizards in this deck. Yeah, so I, I would actually be looking at you know, well, uh, there's at least wizard sixteen wizards. Oh, and Mutavault. So like, yeah, wizard retort would probably be a little bit better, I think. Yeah, I, I would personally go on a wizard retort plan rather than quench, just because quench is insanely good the first time, not really good the second time, and if it's if you if if this becomes like a really stock list, and you know, quench is a known card, then I mean. You can just kind of easily play around Quench, unless you're playing like a deck like Marvel, where it's turn four or turn five, and you need to play your Marvel in order to actually, you know, try to win the game. Um, so I, I personally would try to go with Wizard Retort in that spot. Um, but I, I, other than that, I'd like a lot of the things. Like that... they got eight more counter spells in the sideboard as well. Yeah, Negate and Spell Pierce. I actually played against Mob Blue Devotion with Mono Red Devotion the other day, and they had main deck Tidebringer Mage. Kind of made me a little sad. Ooh, that's raw. That's pretty rough. I think main deck Tidebringer Mage is completely fine, especially when I think the best deck, one of the best decks in the format is Mono Green Devotion. Like, turning off their turn one Mana Dork, if you're on the play, is super relevant and super good. So I wouldn't mind main deck and Tidebringer Mage over, like, Maybe you can move the Brazen Borrowers to the sideboard unless you think it's super, super good uh, in the main deck. Now, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't played Mono Blue Division yet, so... Tidebinder Mage, is that red-green or black-green? It's red Tidebinder Mage is red-green, yeah. Yeah, red-green. So red-green. that's why it has red devotion and green devotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah, of the best cards of... in this deck in the format is Smuggler's Copter. Yeah, Smuggler's Copter, and that's the thing. is like, I think not Ban- enough aggro decks are putting smuggler's copter in their decks yeah i think these red aggro decks could be playing smuggler's copter pretty pretty easily yeah and that's the thing that we saw uh 
when smokeless copters in standard is pretty much if you were going to build an aggressive deck there was no reason not to have smokeless copter in your deck it's i i don't want to say it's absolutely free but it's pretty close to free as far as you know something that can just slot in your deck easy mana curve has evasion with a good body and it actually gives you uh some card utility so I think Smogor's Copter, really great addition to this deck. It gives it more reach, which, I mean, this deck has a ton of reach, but, you know, more reach is never a bad thing. And, you know, it, it, it can definitely help, you know, with the card filtering and such. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, it was banned in the standard, so we'll see how yeah. it... I think it's a little... I think, I think it's fair enough in, modern, in Pioneer. I think I... So it is not a card as the format stands, I think should be banned or should be considered banned. But I think it is a staple at this point. Like it, it is a card that if you are building aggro decks, you should at least consider this card heavily. Speaking of banned cards, how many banned cards or soon to be banned cards do you think are in the fifth place deck from mental misstep? <laughs> well, that's that's something to say. So here's the thing: mental misstep, if I am correct, is the trophy leader right now for the pioneer. Um, actually, Batanua, I think, took the lead. Okay, well, for the basically the entire yeah, they're super they're super high on trophies, like seven. I think Batanua has eight, or maybe they're tied at eight. I'm not sure, but like yeah. I know mental misstep has a lot. Kind of to enter answer your question, I mean, I I think. As much as I hate to say it, I think Oko has a shelf life on this format. I think Oko might make every creature deck just about Oko. And if you're not playing Oko, you're just kind of doing silly things in in the creature. If that's what Wizards wants this format to be about. like, And I, I think that would be refreshing considering how basically Modern and Legacy have really never been about creature combat and such. So, And as we see in Standard... Oko is not really keen on making, you know, healthy interactions between creature decks. It, it, it's very snowbally. So I'm not sure, you know, how Oko is going to play in this format long term to see if it's going to stick around forever. Uh, we'll definitely have to see with that. Um, and then to kind of answer your question more, um, Felidar Guardian, if I had to ban one card in pioneer today it would either be felidar guardian or dig through time i would probably pick dig through time to be honest uh, but felidar guardian is another card that i think might end up being a little bit too good for the format i think the combo is very good for the form is very too is very strong in the format and i think it should be banned i think felidar out of the felidar and sahili combo i think felidar should be banned because it I mean, we we never get to see Feldar doing fun things with other cards just for value, but I feel like it's just the stronger of the two cards. Yeah, no, and, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, so another, part of me part of me does want to keep Guardian around just because I would like to see because basically, if Feldar Guardian gets banned, so does Sahili essentially. So part of me does want to see Sahili get banned this time around just so we can have some amount of time to just mess around with Feldar Guardian. Uh, they both do a lot of value things. Like you can co- copying or blinking things. They're both very strong value effects. So if one of them stays and one of them goes, it's going to be interesting to see what the one that stays if they still have any kind of home. Definitely, yeah. What do you think about the one of Once Upon a Time? Uh, I don't. I I almost want to say I don't get it. So I I do kind of get it in in a sense because with one of if you have one of in your deck. 
that generally means that the only time you really want to see it is if you want to tutor it up or if you want it in your opening hand and really no other time. Um, so you that that makes sense in the sense that once upon a time is at its best when it's in your opening hand. So I I understand the one of once upon a time. However, I think I just kind of want more copies of it. I mean, when looking at this deck, you know, there's so much utility in the cards. I mean, if we just think about like how this deck plays out, what's the likelihood that every game you want to just start off with a one man accelerant, whether it be Lawn or Elves, hundred percent, Gildagoose. Yeah, exactly. It's a hundred percent. Same thing with you... the Heliopod. Hundred percent. Exactly. So I mean. I would be really interested to talk to Mental Misstep about why there's one copy of Once Upon a Time. For me, if I was to take this deck and kind of reshape it, I'd try to fit in you know, a few more copies. Maybe that's getting rid of Heart of Kirin. Maybe that's cutting some down on the four ofs because he has a bunch of Planeswalkers and they're all four ofs. It reminds me of a discussion in Standard. Like, uh, someone was mentioning that you either play zero or you play four copies of Once Upon a Time. Yeah. So I'm... I, it seems like this person is a very much like looking at their deck list. It actually looks like they're very into legacy. Like, look at that sideboard, it's a bunch of two of hate cards. Pretty yeah, much. Like, <laughs> that's like, a legacy sideboard if I've ever seen one. Yeah, and I think I've definitely seen this person in a lot of legacy events as well on challenges. Yeah, so kind of going down the top 16, the you know, fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth are occupied by Copycat and Arc and Arclight Phoenix, which are kind of decks we've already talked about at this point. The next deck that yeah. that kind of caught my eye, which I you're probably going to guess which one it was, um, and that's Mono Black Aggro by Clyde the Glide Drexler. So I, I guess I'll just open this to you, Slater. What do you, what do you think of this deck? Gary, Gary, Gary. Yeah, boy. I think this deck plays Nykthos to a great effect. Also... <laughs> I'm super impressed that they incorporated Soren, the new Soren from M20. Um, just looking down the, uh, the list, like as we had in Standard for a bit, Champion of Dusk. Yep. Uh, Draina um, from Battle of Zendikar, where you know- this card is just like, I think it's kind of like Vampire Nighthawk um, for this deck. Um, just a good value creature. Um, it just it's there for devotion reasons, I think. All these cards are at least two black mana symbols, except for uh, Knight of the Ebon Legion. I love this deck. I'm going to be real. I, I think this deck plays a lot of different angles that I like in the format so far. I love the fact that you get access to four Vatal Push, four Thoughtseize. You know, that's covering a lot of ground in areas where you may be weak. That shores up a lot of kind of loose ends that this deck might have. Uh, I love the fact that, like you said, you get in Sorius, you get Soren, and then you get the Champion of Dust combo. I love the fact that with Kalidus, Grey Merchant, and Gifted Aetherborn, you're actually really doing well against the aggro decks. So the only thing that you really have to worry about is kind of like the control combo decks. And with things such as the push, the Thoughtseize... Um, no, you I, know I really... a card I would really want in the sideboard? Hmm. Um the flip enchantment from Ixalan. Uh, Agile's uh, Bl- Ag- Bloodthirst? Uh, Bloodfast, yeah. Bloodfast, yeah. I think that's a card that, like, if you want to make control a little better, um, I'm not sure that you need a... I'm not sure that you need a card like Blight Beetle, although... I mean, that, that kind of shuts down the... 
the uh, scale stack pretty hard. Yeah, if you, I, I, I forgot about scales. Like, I haven't seen a lot of it yet. But it, it, I know a lot of people were talking about scales. So that actually is very good against scales. This, uh, so this person put a lot of thought into that. Okay. Um, the yeah, one I mean, feature I... in the main deck, though, with Soren that isn't a like, vampire is Grey Merchant. Like, why isn't Grey Merchant a vampire? Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's so much I, he's only, he's only, Yeah, Gary's only one great, you know, great creature type. Would you want Liliana um, in the sideboard? Liliana, Last Hope? Mm, my initial inclination is if you want... Uh, I don't know, maybe, because here's the thing. Liliana is good against both aggro and control, whereas something like oh i don't know like uh the blood fast is really only good against control and then something like uh i don't know any any, any like decent anti-aggro cards only going to be good against aggro so i actually i actually kind of dig the thought of liliana last hope just to be a little bit more utility um against kind of a few of those different matchups i i kind of struggled to see where you would specifically want it considering what the main deck's already doing uh, but I could, I, I could definitely see some copies of Liliana. What about Underworld uh, Connections? Would you want that, or would you want Agro's Bloodfast more? Mm, I think I would want Bloodfast more because if you're going to be bringing this in against Control and you expect your, uh, like, okay, so assuming that it's going to be. Uh, you're going to be playing at Soltech Control. Um, then they're going to have access to Assassin's Trophy. I'd rather have my enchantment get Assassin's Trophy than my land. And then against Blue-White, I think they can kind of just deal with it easier. So I think I'd rather have Bloodfast rather than Connections. I definitely think having it come down turn two is better than having the extra um, mana symbol on the card. So yeah. I, I, I think I agree with Bloodfast. Yeah, no, I, I I actually really love the the look of this deck. I love the fact that you have an aggressive slant to your curve uh, with Knight of the Ebon Legion and Storkrim Condemned with Gifted Aetherborn. I think you can kind of just go... You can have some draws in this deck where you just go under um, the, you know, kind of dirtily decks. Yep. So there's two other green devotion decks in the top 16. Um, one of my friends, Jeff Pika, Pika Power... Uh, came in 14th. I like the list that he was playing because um, it made very it made access to Nykthos super strong and made the leyline starts even stronger. So if you st- like, I saw him start with like turn one Dork and a leyline and play a turn two Quest and Beast. That seems yeah, that's really gross. strong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, yeah. Like this deck is a little lower to the ground than some of the Green Devotion decks I've seen, and. I think I like this list quite a bit. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what comes up going forward. So tomorrow is Thursday. I'm going to be practicing Pioneer for the challenge on Sunday, which I plan on playing. But I won't be able to play the PTQ on Friday. Uh, and you won't be able to play it from my understanding. So I'm going to be interested to see what wins and what top eights the PTQ on Friday to decide what I'm going to play on Sunday. And then I also plan to tune into as much of the 5K uh, Twitch cast on Saturday. 
Yeah, Saturday is going to be pretty busy. I mean, Friday, like I said earlier, I have that kind of assignment at, at the school I work at. And then Saturday... You oh, yeah, are, Saturday, yeah, we're both playing the PTQ. We're, yeah, we're both going to be at the PTQ. Oh, man, I need, I need to figure out why I'm playing Standard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe... maybe Maybe game on a little. They'll change it to Pioneer. Who knows? Oh um, yeah, yeah. Can we can we get a pro petition now, right now? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. No, I I have a good idea. I'm playing the standard, but can't tell you since I have to beat you. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, but no. Um, yeah, I forgot. I do have a PTQ on Saturday, so um, yeah, I, I'll I'll watch it later or after I'm done winning the PTQ. <laughs> well whatever happens we'll we'll definitely be here next week to report on it and kind of bring everyone through how this format's shaking out i'm really actually liking how this format's shaking out uh and playing because one of the things that i was a little bit worried of uh last week before we actually got games in was how the format was going to feel i was worried it was going to feel a little bit too much like modern where it was ships passing in the night i've been I've been pleasantly surprised with the amount of interaction and the amount of actually onboard, uh, you know, stuff that's happening in Pioneer so far. Oh, I definitely agree. I love the feel of the format, and I love how fun the format is. My friend uh, Reggie, um, who was in Play Design for a bit, and he's a game designer over at WotC, and he's been posting some sweet lists over on Twitter. And just like the things that I've been seeing people do in this format over on Arena Decklist or Pioneer Decklist on Twitter and just all across the place, like it just it feels so fresh. Yeah. So fresh. Like, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I like, I, I wouldn't say I sold out of Magic because. I kind of, you know, I, I took all my modern cards, I sold them, and I put them into dual lands, and I put them into an old school cube, and I kind of moved all my money towards a more safer bet with reserve list. But modern just got to the point where I was just like, I don't even care anymore. Like, if I really want to play in a competitive modern event, I'll either borrow cards, I'll find someone, or I'll just play in like an online PTQ, do something like that. Where now Pioneer, like, I've I've been spending so much money on just, like, paper Pioneer cards because I just want to play in these tournaments. Yeah, like, I haven't spent much money on Pioneer cards because I was a little bit hesitant about what might, how fast they'll act on things. But now that, like, Star City has turned their Invitational, which is just over, uh, like, pretty much two weeks away... Um, into a pioneer, it feels like they can't act on it until at least after that. So the next scheduled ban announcement is on the 18th, the Monday following. So it feels like that might be the first time that pioneer will get touched if it gets touched. Um, and they might even wait even longer if they're going to wait to see what the results from the actual invitational are, um, to see how homogenized the format becomes at that point. Um, I just don't feel that the format's going to get that harmonized. I mean, I feel like, yeah, the big three decks, as I mentioned, are Sahili decks, the Mono Green deck, and uh, the Phoenix deck. But, like, it feels like, as we mentioned, there's so many different things. So, like, I'm super excited. I'm super excited for this weekend. It's week week two, week, uh, second weekend of Pioneer. And I am so stoked. Yep, as am I. So, want to take us home, Slater? Yeah, so tune in this weekend and watch the 5K put on by NLG. 
Um, tune in and play maybe PTQ on Friday or play Sunday in the Pop Pioneer Challenge. Um, and then we'll be back next week to recap on what happened and uh, maybe we'll have some battle stories from the PTQ and Standard we're playing on Saturday. Hopefully, hopefully you know what? If, if we do end up playing each other, hopefully it won't be till finals. So that that's all I hope for. Where can where can people find us on on social media? So you can find us on Twitter at PunditsCast. So you can you can subscribe to our podcasts over at iTunes. Um, you can follow us on MTGCast.com, SoundCloud, and hopefully Spotify will be up in the next few days. Or you can follow either one of us. Um, I'm at uh, Woot1234. That's W-H-O-O-T-1234. And Brandon, where are you at? Uh, I'm on Twitter at bloodbraid underscore elf. So pretty easy. You should be able to find me there and uh, find all of our all of our hot spicy takes. Okay. Um, so post any tw- uh, deck list that you have, and you can tweet it at us. Uh, any questions you have, and any comments or suggestions to help us improve, we would be more than welcome to hear them. Um, until then, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone.